Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. We're glad that you've decided to share part of your evening with us. I am Doris Hansen, your host, and we do hope that we have a program that will hold your interest as we go through it tonight. But first of all, I have three announcements I need to make. The first one is that on Saturday, September 1st, that's this coming Saturday, is the Burning Hearts event, which is hosted by Sean McCraney of Heart of the Matter. And it's going to be held at the Murray Park Amphitheater. And along with other ministries, we've been asked to be there and hand out information. And and um, with Main, along with Main Street Church of Brigham City, we will be there. We'll have DVDs lifting the veil of polygamy and unveiling grace, uh, brochures, and other materials. So we would love it if you'd drop by the table and say hello, uh, and we'd like to meet new friends and old friends. That's 3 to 8 p.m. at the Murray Park Amphitheater Theater this Saturday. And on Saturday, September 15th, we've been invited to participate in the Good News Celebration in, in Spanish Fork. That's 1800 West, 7300 South in Spanish Fork. The, the admission is free. There will be music and food and games and giveaways. The Adams Road Band will be there. The speakers will be Dennis Higley and Sean McCraney. And I have also been asked to share what's on my heart. We're going to be praising God's glory and celebrating celebrating and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. For more information, you can call 801-358-8650. That's 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Saturday, September 15th. It's also going to move into part of Sunday as well. And uh, on Monday through Friday nights here um, on KTMW TV 20 at 9 p.m., this station broadcasts a show entitled Wretched with Todd Friel. Well, Todd Friel is going to be in the area on September 28th through the 30th, and he's going to be speaking at the UPFC banquet Friday night, the 28th. You can go to upfc.com for more information and for reservations to go to the banquet and hear him speak. And then on Saturday morning, September 29th, Todd Friel will be hosting a Joy in the Home Conference at Mill Creek Baptist Church. That's at 1515 East, 4500 South from 9 a.m. to noon. And then on Sunday morning, September 30th, he is going to be the guest preacher at Mill Creek Baptist Church from 1045 to noon. And we invite you to come to one or all of these events and to learn what Todd Friel has prepared to share with us. Two weeks ago, uh, we compared the priesthood that Joseph Smith introduced as part of his new Mormon religion with the biblical priesthood and discovered that there really is no valid Aaronic or Melchizedek priesthood held by human beings since Jesus Christ was crucified because 
He broke down the barrier between God and man when he suffered God's wrath against sin and sinners on the cross of Calvary. Last week with Sandra Tanner, we discovered that the early Mormon temples, rituals and ceremonies are not patterned after the biblical temple at all, but instead they are rooted in the secrecy and the rituals of early Mormon polygamy practices. Tonight, we're going to discuss the temple of the Bible and compare God's instructions and commandments for his temple and its uses with the Mormon temples and their uses. Our guest has been on our show several times in the past. He's a great preacher and Bible teacher. He has a lot of information to share on our subject. And so I would like to introduce pastor of Main Street Church in Brigham City, where all the fireworks are right now, Pastor Jim Catlin. Welcome to the show. <laughs> it's great to be back. And you're right, it's very busy in Brigham City right now. We're about a week and a half into the four-week open house wow. for our new temple. For the so temple up there. So this is quite appropriate, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we're talking temples in Brigham timely. City right now. I don't think we planned it that way, did I don't we? think so. I, I didn't. You might have. <laughs> I don't think I did either. Yeah. We're going to discuss the Old Testament temple, and we're going to compare it with the Mormon temple. So right, when we're right. finished tonight, uh, our viewers should be able to understand the, that there is a, a stark difference Stark. between yeah. the two temples and the temple system. So yeah. why is it important to look at the biblical temple tonight? Well, you know, we keep running into confusion, I guess it is, because there's a, there's thinking that the, the, the temples of present day in Mormonism are somehow connected with the temples, like Solomon's temple and stuff like that. And, uh, and there's messages that are saying that's true within Mormon circles, and, and we need to actually kind of tug that apart and see if that's true. And in fact, I think where that, that thinking starts to come about is, is actually from the Book of Mormon itself. So if we take a look, there's a passage in 2 Nephi 5, and in 2 Nephi 5, it kind of links the temples together, because it says in 2 Nephi 5, 16, uh, this is when Nephi <coughs> separates from his brother Laman, and I, Nephi, did build a temple, and I did construct it after the manner of the temple of Solomon, save it were not built of so many precious things, for they were not to be found upon the land, wherefore it could not be built like unto Solomon's temple. But the manner of the construction was like unto the temple of Solomon, and the workmanship thereof was exceedingly fine. Mm -hmm. So there we kind of tie this idea that, well, maybe maybe the temples of the Restoration now, yeah. maybe that's an extension of what happened in the Book of Mormon, maybe they actually do have a tie to Solomon. Well, yes and no, and this is where the confusion comes in, even, even from the mouths of, uh, of LDS authorities. And for instance, uh, I have a, a, also a, a quote here from Mark E. Peterson, who is an apostle in the church, and see how he ties it together. It's kind of a confusing thing. He says, uh, this is Mark E. Peterson in Why Mormons Build Temples. He says, in biblical times, sacred ordinances were administered in holy edifices for the spiritual salvation of ancient Israel. The buildings thus used were not synagogues, uh, nor any other ordinary places of worship. They were, specific, they were specially constructed for this particular purpose. And here's where he gets specific. Mm -hmm. So following the pattern of biblical days, the Lord again mm -hmm. in our day has provided these ordinances for all who will believe and directs that temples be built uh, in which to perform those sacred rites. So again, Mark E. Peterson, remember an apostle of the church says, the temples of today are connected back to that um, biblical thing. Biblical times. Huh? And you know, I've even, I've even had some discussions recently with LDS folks who said, no, 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 we don't claim the present temples are connected. But it keeps coming out being implied and causes confusion. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I was online. I went online and there's actually a video in YouTube that's part of the Mormon channel that the, the LDS church puts together. Mm -hmm. And on the Mormon channel, they have a video that says, 
you know, basically, why do we build temples? And so I want to show you a clip, and I want you to watch really carefully, and you tell me as you watch this clip, it's just one minute out of the three-and-a-half-minute video, you tell me if biblical temples and present-day LDS temples are connected together in what they say. So listen okay, carefully. Okay, let's this take a look at that. If you understand why we build temples, you must understand first that uh, we believe in revelation and in the restoration of the gospel. And to restore means to bring back something that was lost. Not a new invention, but a restoration of that which was known anciently. I am both interested and delighted to see so much of ancient religious tradition, particularly biblical tradition, taken up into uh, the religious structures and rituals of the Mormons. Someone who does not know much about temples and Mormons building temples should be directed to the Bible. Did you catch it? But you know, <laughs> there, there's that the early Mormons connected back they connected to, it, yeah. to back to Solomon's temple as well. Yeah. So this is this is still going on. You see, Boyd K. Pactor says this is not a new thing. This is connected to temples of ancient time. And then you, then you click right over to, to uh, the other gentleman, uh, Frank Moore Cross, and he says, I mean, I'll quote him again. He says <coughs> in the very last line, someone who does not know much about temples and Mormons building temples should be directed to the Bible. So it's, by, it's saying there's a connection. So I think tonight mm -hmm. what we need to do is say, no, there's not a there connection. No connection. And let's just see how, let's see how far apart the temples are because they keep being whispered as being one and the same. Mm -hmm. And boy, when you take a look at the temples in the Old Testament, oh, they're nothing, very different. Nothing very like. Different. And also I hear often, especially the leadership, say that this is where God dwells. And, and, and you yeah. need to go in there. But, but Acts right. very clearly tells us that God, Acts 17, 24 and 25, mm -hmm. that the God who made the world and everything in it uh, is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. What do they do with that scripture? Does he need a house? No. No. He doesn't need a house. But, but uh, yeah, he's not contained there. And in fact... Uh, if you wind all the way back to when Solomon's temple was first dedicated, you know, they worked all this time. David dies, his son Solomon builds the temple, and uh, it's all done. It's 960 B.C., and so Solomon gets out in front of everybody, and he dedicates the temple. And in this prayer of dedication, he actually says God doesn't live here. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a place where God's going to be, but he doesn't live here. He's not right. contained. Yeah. In fact, this, this is what he said as part of his prayer. He opens up his prayer in 1 Kings 8. Uh, it says, And Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth below. And if I skip to verse 27, he says, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven and heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I have builded. So he's not saying this is a place where God's going to set up residence and stay. But there is some truth to the fact that for the nation of Israel, this is a place where God wanted to sort of touch down and say, this is, this is my to presence among you. show that he was you, with his people. So I'll be with yeah. you. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so that's really true. But containing him, no. But, but even, and then we'll get into it tonight. But even though he was there in the presence of his people, they could only approach him a certain way. They couldn't exactly. just. Exactly. Yeah, and there was a problem. Yeah. 
God couldn't just pop into the community. There yeah. was a problem, and it wasn't God's problem. It was men's problem. Right, man's problem, exactly. That's, that's where the temple came from. So let's discuss that now. Why did God give the tabernacle, which was the mobile temple, so to right. speak, the right. temporary temple, and then the, the uh, permanent temple to the Israelites? Yeah. And, and that's what it was. Remember, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt. Mm -hmm. They came out of Egypt, and, God, and they basically became nomads on their way into the promised land. Mm -hmm. And God said, I want it to be visible to you and to everyone around that I'm in your midst. And remember, there was this Shekinah glory, this cloud that was there by the day, and then a fire by night. It's like right. a big night light at night, which is nice when the desert's really dark. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. And, and it's shade by day because it's a cloud. And then he said, I'm going to be with you, but I want, since you all are living in tents as we do this, I'm going to live in a tent with you, in a sense. I'm going to be with you, I'm going to touch down, and, and in the middle of your camping as we go through the desert, I will be with you visibly in this cloud, and here's the place where I'll touch down where we sort of meet. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, God is so holy and we are so sinful, you can't just mix it up like that. It, it's a problem. So he said, this place where we meet, I will visibly touch here in a sense. This is where you'll be able to contact me, but you can't come in. Yeah. You can't come in because of sin. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be here, but my door's always closed. But I'll be here because I want to be in your midst. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the beginning of the temple. Uh, it was a tabernacle is what it was. And we'll talk more about the difference between a tabernacle and a temple, but functionally... They were the same. It was at the for very the same beginning. purpose. And also, yeah. when, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they had been living for 450 years under so many false gods and false ideas oh, of who God stuff. is yeah. and who was. And, and, and many of them probably didn't even have a, a good idea of who Yahweh. Yeah. Uh, was. Who is this God? Yeah, right. and, and so yeah. he's going to reveal himself and show himself to them and yeah. use the tabernacle yeah. and, as that. And he wanted to be central in the life of, of the of Hebrews. The, he wanted to be nation. central. He wanted everyone to see it. In fact, he said, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you, you, know, you look out the tent flaps while we're out in the desert, you'll know if we're moving today because my Shekinah glory, my cloud will lift up and it'll start to move. Mm -hmm. So if you see me start to move, you go, let's go and yeah. we'll follow. So yeah. God was clearly the leader and the visible presence in the middle of Israel. But the place he touched down, in, figuratively what many places said, where his feet touched the earth in that sense, was a place that man couldn't come close they to. Couldn't. They couldn't. They were barred from it. if you come in it. the presence of a holy God, you're dead. Mm -hmm. So... So how do you have a presence among your people who are sinful? Well, you have this funny kind of structure where he touches down there, but no one can come close. And it made and it caused the Israelites what it should to us as well to realize that they are sinful, and yeah, that they and, right. and they may, they may not approach a holy God without knowing yeah, they've got that right. sin that they must do something you don't just barge about right it. In. Right. Yeah. And right. Even though you know where God is, you know where you can, you know where my office is, is what mm -hmm. he's saying, but you can't come in. And so, exactly. and so a lot, I'd say the lion's share of all the activity that went on around the temple was all about taking care of the sin of the nation. Well, and Aaron's sons tried that. They tried going oh, yeah, before right. God with unauthorized fire, and he struck them dead just bad, like that. They were gone, and, yeah. and Aaron couldn't even grieve over them. Yeah. It was so. Yeah. Now, now let's talk about how the temple, the tabernacle, and the temple was laid out. The, okay. the, the design, the architect at work. <laughs> Great. Yeah, we'll do this because it tells us something about the whole idea. I'm going to skip forward to Solomon's temple, uh, which was 1,000 B.C., roughly 969-80. Um, but it layout is identical to the tabernacle. And we'll show you at the end because I'll show you an actual photograph mm -hmm. of the tabernacle. Okay. No, no actual photograph. <laughs> but, but let's just take a look. Here's a cross-section right here. And this cross-section uh, shows you, uh, like we just chopped right through the center of it, of, of the temple. And, um, and it shows on the very far left 
Well, in fact, I've got a close-up of the far left, but let me just give you the general areas. The far left, well, here we go. Far left is actually the outer courtyard. The, the door to the temple is in the center there. Mm -hmm. And if you look down in the outer courtyard, you'll see some interesting things. In the very bottom, bottom left corner, there's an ox down there, or a bullock, as mm -hmm. they used to say in the Old Testament. They're getting ready to sacrifice that, because what they did outside in that courtyard is they would bring sacrifices to atone for their personal sins. And mm -hmm. so there was blood, you know, you slit the throat of an animal and, and you butcher it and that would go on right there. And then sometimes the uh, the animal, parts of the animal would be taken up to burnt and you see in the bottom left there, there's that kind of three tier thing. That's a mm -hmm. that's like a big, they, they call it the brazen altar. Mm -hmm. There's lots of fire up there and you take your sacrifices up there and burn them. And so there'll always be the smell, you know, like when you leave something in the barbecue too long and the uh -huh. chicken's going, yeah. well, it was worse than that. And it would go all the time. <clears throat> up in the brazen altar, part of the sacrifices. And then on the bottom there, to the right of, the, of that bull, uh, many of our Mormon audience will recognize that. They'll say, well, that's mm -hmm. where you get baptized. But no, that's not, that's what not, it not where you get baptized. For. But that was a design that, that did indeed come out of 1 Kings, uh, and it describes exactly what it is. That's called the brazen sea, is what they used to call it. It's a bronze sea, about 11,000 gallons, about 15 feet across. And, uh, and that thing was where you ceremonially cleansed yourself as a priest. Um, and they would take water out of that and put it into smaller vessels that were on wheels. But there were no baptisms there. That right. was where you ceremonially right. cleaned, cleansed yourself before you entered in the front door. And then the front door is the porch with those two columns that are hanging right there. Uh, and then you could start to enter into the temple, but not just anybody. You mm -hmm. had to be, once you walked up those steps, you had to be a priest. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only priest during that time had to be in the tribe of Levi, and more specifically, right. related right. directly to Aaron in the tribe of Levi. And so all they had to do was prove it by genealogy. They didn't prove right. it by worthiness questions. They Nothing at all. Right. But you had to be in the bloodline. There were Levites who weren't related to Aaron, you know, mm -hmm. who came from different parts of the Levites. Right. They served larger functions around the outside of the temple. But if you go inside the temple... You better have Aaron's blood literally exactly. in your line. The priest, that was, the that priest was the, that only came. That was the whole thing. And I'd like to mention right here for our audience, um, you can go to uh, ro <clears throat> excuse me www.rose-publishing.com and get some uh, very, very good graphics and, and brochures that we have been using tonight and will be. you'll see more of it tonight yeah. on the Old Testament temple. It's got some great first-class They were very brochures. nice to us. I contacted them and said, can we broadcast these? They said, you betcha. So, yeah, in fact, let's, is, go to, let's go to the next one. We one have another here. one that's a picture of the right half of that temple. Uh, it's a blow-up of that. There we go. There's the right half of it. And this mm. is where it gets really interesting. In the, on the left side of this, you're in the big, largest center section. That's called the holy place in the left. And you see some smoke coming up from that guy way mm -hmm. down at the bottom there? Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's an altar of incense, and they would burn incense there mm -hmm. constantly. And that incense was a figure of our prayers going up to God right. because it would rise up slowly in the air, and it would be a, a smell that was pleasing to God. And that was right before a veil. Now, there's a veil. It's a little strip right there of yeah. a double double-wide piece of cloth that was probably about oh, about 30 feet tall. Uh, purple and crimson and blue is just lovely, but it was double-walled. Mm -hmm. And that's what that large, very impenetrable curtain kept you out of the Holy of Holies. And that's that cube right in the center. Right. That cube is a, it's a perfect cube, 30 feet square. Uh-huh. And in the, in the middle of that, you see two crazy things. You see <laughs> what are actually two cherubims 
that are that are fashioned out of olive wood and completely covered with with uh, gold. Their wingtips touched each other in the center of the room, and the outer edges touched the room edges right. on the sides. And yeah. between them, it's like they're guarding something between them. And what they're standing over is the Ark of the, the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. And that's the, that's the famous Ark of the Covenant from you know Indiana Jones and stuff like that. Yeah, so, and, but and it really existed. The inside now it really was gold. The it inside really gold. was completely covered with it, hammered gold. It was gold. extraordinary. In fact, mm -hmm. the entire temple consumed about 270 tons of gold. Wow. Of the entire temple. Wow. But they stood guard over that Ark of the Covenant. Of course, inside the Ark of the Covenant are the Ten Commandments on the stones, Aaron's bud that, that or Aaron's rod that budded, and uh, and one bowl of uh, of manna that didn't go bad. <laughs> right. Right. But that's right. in there. And in, and in fact, this, if you were from ancient times, you'd look at this and you'd say, this is a throne room is what this is. Exactly. This is where the king is. Mm -hmm. And everyone knows you don't just approach the king without his permission. You come af after he calls for you, basically. But that's the throne room that's preserved. Now, in that particular cube, that's the Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. And only one person was qualified to go in there, the high priest. Uh, mm -hmm. And even at that, only on one day of the year, Yom one Kippur, day the year. Day of Atonement, and he would walk in through that veil with his heart in his hands because people worried that people were going to die when you'd walk in there. He'd walk in there, he would give atonement for the nation of Israel, he would actually go into that pristine, beautiful golden room and sprinkle blood on top right. of the Ark of the Covenant and on the floor right. on, on the behalf of the people of, of Israel. People. Which is this beautiful room. Stained with blood. Showing there's only one way to God, and that's through blood. That's right. Through blood. Yeah, right. In, indicating, and, and that was a picture, and should be a picture to us as well, because Jesus died on the cross for us, that um, the wages of sin is death. Yeah, right. And, and, and God took his own um, uh, condemnation of sin. Yeah. He took it on himself exactly. on the cross and, and, and ruined, him, ruined himself, ruined Jesus, who was God. Uh, yeah. For our yeah. sin, which should because have been our problem, but it, yeah, it should yeah. have been us yeah. dying, yeah. but it was him that died instead. Yeah, and and very much like this picture, this high priest would go in with with the sins of the nation and appeal to God for forgiveness and for atonement. The whole the whole structure of what goes on there has God isolated from a sinful outer world, which is why it's mm -hmm. holy. The word mm -hmm. holy means separated and, mm -hmm. and set apart. Yeah. Well, the inside of that temple where God would touch down and visit man was set apart because it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be you know, touched by sin. So mm -hmm. there's that veil that keeps you out of the Holy of Holies, uh, and there's the inside where the, the holy place where the priests go and they do specific things. And it's all about taking care of the problem of sin. The entire temple. The entire thing is. And, and the veil the, the veil has nothing to do with like the veil that they have in, in the Mormon no, temple. Totally this veil different. is to show us that we're sinners and we have no right to approach God no without sacrifice. No one goes through. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, as we were going through this alto, when Moses received the instructions in the desert for the tabernacle and also mm -hmm. Solomon for mm -hmm. David for the temple, they were required to follow God precisely. God exactly. gave the instructions. Yeah. He was the architect of all this and he was to, he had it down to the socket, every socket, yeah. every yeah. nail that went into yeah. it and how they were to build it had yeah. to be done precisely as he said. And of course, again, that proves that we can't come to God just any old way. We have to come his way. Yeah. Or we don't come at all. Yeah, it's God's design and it's God's way. You're right. And in fact, if you want to go check on us, the whole dimensions of that temple we were showing you, they're, they're in 1 Kings chapter 6 and chapter 7. Everything that's inside of it, the gold, the cherubim, no one made this up off the top of their head. Right. God specified every detail. And the entire Levitical, Aaronic priesthood were consumed day and night 
with dealing with the problems of sin. So any temple that any religion wants to build and call it God's temple, they've got to follow these instructions. Yeah, exactly. They have to do this exactly, exactly. as God and, and gave the instructions. And what we didn't mention is it can only be in one place. Exactly. And it can only be one of them. One temple in, in fact, one place. In fact, I was, I was walking on the streets at Brigham City when the temple opening happened two Saturdays back. Uh -huh. I was with a film crew guy from The Voice of America. He lives in Washington, D.C. Oh, he was yeah. taking some pictures, and I was walking with him for a while. We stood looking at the temple that had just opened, and, and I said, so what do you think of this? And he says, well, I'm actually a Jew. And uh, oh, yeah? I said, oh, I grew up uh, like about two miles from where this guy lives. I, li I lived in a Jewish community largely. I said, so what do you think as a Jew? He says, well, Jews believe, and this is speaking for everybody, that the temple will be rebuilt mm -hmm. just before the Messiah comes, mm -hmm. and it can only be in one place in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. and, it can, and, and that place is very specifically said. It's the place where Abraham uh, tried to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Right. It's the same place where David went up to the threshing floor and God right. said, build it here. Mm -hmm. It's an outcropping of stone that's right. There's only one place. He says, that's where it'll Mount be built. Moriah. There's I'm only one. All yep. the rest of them are counterfeits. Yeah. This is what this Jewish guy told me. So he knew. He knew. Yeah. He the knew. Jewish community knows any, as well. In fact, let's, let's do one more picture. I told you we should see the tabernacle. Here's what the tabernacle looked like years before. This is a mm -hmm. tent version. Mm -hmm. And if you notice, the layout is is almost identical, but mm -hmm. you're doing it with big pieces of cloth and fabric and stuff. There's still the Holy of Holies in the far back back there. You see the, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, you see the veil. There's that thick curtain that separates. Uh -huh. And then inside the holy place in front of it, there's uh, there's the lights, there's the, the golden candelabra, there's the, uh, the altar of incense right in front of that. Mm -hmm. There's a table of showbread. And then the guys outside the tent, they're out here killing animals, burning them on the altar, washing their hands in that, that laver. That. Mm -hmm. So they're doing exactly the wow. same thing, but this yeah. is a portable version. So mm -hmm. anytime you hear the words temple and tabernacle, uh, you know, in Utah, it means public space, not public space. Right. Actually, they're one and the same function in the Bible. It's just one's portable and it's a tent. That's exactly. the only difference. Exactly. The tabernacle is portable. And they could take that down and haul it around the desert. That's right. And uh, they like did they could. for some time. <laughs> so, so the Old Testament was exclusive, and we talked about that, There's the, proving there's one supreme God and that, that it was the need for us right. to deal with our sins before it's we could ever go to God. I want to bring out this scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 6, where Solomon is... Um, um, dedicating the temple. And he says, But who is able to build him a house? Uh, talking about God. Seeing the heaven, and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. Who am I then that I should build him a house, save only to burn sacrifice before exactly. him? His right. house was for one purpose, to build a, a place for the sacrifice for the people. That's right. That's, That's right. It. God wanted to dwell it's amongst all. the people, have a presence amongst the people, but their sin kept them separated for God, so it constantly meant sacrificing for sin. Mm -hmm. We that's can't all. be here. And we that's have all to deal with our sin. That's, and that's all what it was. And so it was simple, since it was only for sacrifice, what ceremonies, rituals, mm -hmm. were performed inside the temple? Well, we'll do a quick overview right here, but... Uh, uh, here's some things about some of the offerings and sacrifices. You'll find these in the Old Testament. I'll just flash up this slide real quick. But, but a lot of what went on in the temple were to satisfy these basic offerings and sacrifices. Um, burnt offerings, um, grain offerings, sin offerings and guilt offerings, uh, peace offerings. They were different things that God specifically said in the beginning of Leviticus. You know, when you're going to come and sacrifice, you do them for these reasons. If you sin against me, God says, that's a, that requires a sin offering. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can find out what to do about that in Leviticus 4 and 5. If you sin against others, that's a guilt offering or a trespass offering in, the, in King James. 
this is what you do about that. It's all about when you offend, how do you do that? So they would do specifically these. These are not mysteries. These are sacred because right. the priest did it, but they're very public. They're, very open. They're all over Leviticus. I had a guy on the phone say, well, we're not sure what they did in the temple, in Solomon's temple. Well, I'll read them oh, to yeah, you. yeah, we do. They're right here. So they're still very sacred, but they're very public. And no one could do it except the priest. So. And Hebrews 9 and 10 are good chapters to talk Perfect. about what in yeah. it. And 14 chapters, I believe it is, in Exodus that yeah, has exactly. that, uh, exactly. the, the temple specific. and the tabernacle. They were, and there was nothing secret about it. It was, very, like you said, very sacred. Everyone knew what was going on. Right. That's why people held their breath when the high priest went in the Holy of Holies, because they knew what was going on. That. They knew what was going on. Was he going to come out? There was yeah. another thing they did. They did offerings constantly. There's also seven feasts in the year that mm -hmm. happened. And uh, here's a quick list of some of those feasts. You might have seen some of these before with their mm -hmm. relative position in the year. But they did these. And these also involved some sacrifice. They involved some activity at the temple. So these were also very tightly con constrained by God. He designed these. And he put these throughout the calendar so that the nation mm -hmm. of Israel would be reminded of certain things. And remember, I already mentioned about the high priest going into the Holy of Holies on one day. Mm -hmm. There it is, late September, the Day of Atonement. This year, it's actually, uh, it, it is still this year, at the end of September. I think it's mm -hmm. September 25th. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the New Year, the Feast of Trumpets, uh, Rosh Hashanah, if you have Jewish friends, is uh, just a couple weeks before that. Mm -hmm. So God said, do these things. Involve them at the temple because I want these to be relational with me, right. but they all have a flavor of your sin. Uh huh. And so God wants to be with you, but he can't fully because you're sinful. A holy God and a sinful people, but God still wants to be with you, but we're going to have to constantly take care of sin. We've got to take care of sin first before yeah. you can have a relationship with yeah. me. That's exactly right. So what ceremonies were not performed in the temple then? Well, <laughs> baptisms. Right. No baptisms no at baptisms all. No at baptisms all. for the dead, no baptisms for, for anyone anybody. else. In fact, the word doesn't show up in the Old Testament. Exactly. So baptisms, no, 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 no. Uh, weddings, none. No, you did not do weddings in the temple in the Old nope. Testament. Ever, never, nobody. Not even for the most privileged people. Right. That never happened. Uh, sealings, you know, sealing your family together? No, never happened in the Old Testament because I've already showed you what they did. Mm -hmm. You know, it would have to involve the slaughter of an animal, and you don't do that in sealings, I'm pretty sure. So um, there were no there were no covenants that you that you agreed. You didn't go inside and you know and, and raise your arm to the square and make a promise to do something for God. Right. That wasn't there. This was all <coughs> saying, God, we come to you because we're sinful. And, and, and we look for atonement. We look for you to solve the problem of our sin, mm -hmm. will you? And then through the atonements that go on right there, that's what happens. So, that's it. Yeah, so everything that you classically think of what goes on in current day modern LDS temples, Nothing. absent altogether in the Old Not Testament. At all. And I want to mention right here too, the priests had garments. Yes. And they, they could not minister in the temple without those garments, especially the high priest. Right. They had right. to wear those garments specifically, and mm -hmm. they could only wear those garments then. At the right time. They had yeah. to take them off, and they didn't wear them 24-7. Yeah. These were inner and outer garments that the priest wore, and they could only wear them in the temple, no other place. That service, and that's it. That's you it. You go out, and you know you have a meal with your neighbor. You don't wear those. You don't wear the garments. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. So <clears throat> the Old Testament temple has no connection with the Mormon temple. No, not at all. The physical <coughs> design, like I said, you go Excuse look it up. Me. You go look it up. The actual size of the temple, not the physical design, which God was very specific, very down to the cubit. He was specific. Doesn't share any of the physical design. It doesn't share any of the proper location with the Old Testament temple, which has to be in Jerusalem in mm -hmm. just the one mm -hmm. place. Uh, it doesn't share anything about the personnel who are allowed to go in and out. 
Right. By the way, there are there is no Melchizedek priesthood operative in the Old Testament temple. Right. There none is at no all. Melchizedek none priesthood. at all. You won't find that. And and on top of that, none of the ordinances or ceremonies that go on inside match at all. Wrong building, wrong place, wrong ordinances, wrong people. Everything's different. And the people <clears throat> when the when the tabernacle and the temple were going to be built, the people were invited to share their, their personal resources with right, it. Right. Uh, they weren't required to pay tithing towards it. They exactly, were invited right. to, exactly. and anybody who felt like they wanted to could. They didn't, yeah. but they weren't pressured to. And and I would I have a two verses here, uh, very quickly. The one single temple of the Old Testament is fulfilled in and by Jesus Christ. In Matthew mm. chapter twelve verse six, Jesus said. I tell you that one greater than the temple is here, here. and that's himself. That's and then in John 2, 19 and 21, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. That's right. That's right. And that was while he was there in Jerusalem looking at the looking temple. Looking at the temple. There and he's right behind me. And yeah, he says, right. this is the temple. And that's, that's right. where the God Almighty dwelt in Christ. That's right. Yeah, let me just show you one other thing. We, we made the point that it, it's very different. I went online. I went online. You can do this as well to <laughs> ldsfaq.byu.edu. This is, you know, frequently asked questions that BYU puts together. And they had the question I was looking for. They asked this question and answered it. Do Latter-day Saints find information relevant to their temple ordinances in the Old Testament? Is there anything in the Old Testament relative to ordinances? And I want you to go look it up and read it because the answer is borderline silly. Uh, it says, well, we think there's a little something in Psalm 24, the way if you translate it right, it's sort of... But, but what you'd expect is when someone asks this question, do you see ceilings? Do you see weddings? Do you see... And, and their answer is, no, no, it's not there. No. Um, in fact, to give you just a vivid... I want to show you this one picture, a great, a great picture that was uh, painted about what it probably looked like when it was really humming down in the temple area in Solomon's temple. Let's see if we've got... There it is. You see guys butchering meat on the right? You see people on the well, ground slitting yeah. the throats yeah. of animals? It, blood flowed, thousands of gallons of blood flowed during the, some of the ceremonies there. It was an ugly, ugly place. And it there was. was no way you could miss the point that sin brings death. Sin brings death. And sin is ugly sin to is God. Ugly. Sin it's is not ugly. a pretty, it's their hideous. temple was not a pretty white place. We looked inside and saw the gold, yeah, yeah. but the only place the common people could go was the outside, and that was all death and sin. And so we, and last week with Sandra Tanner, we discovered as we went through that the, the Mormon poly, poly, the temple is steeped in polygamy. All the rituals, yeah, uh, almost right. every ritual except the baptism to the dead, right. is, is, has its roots from polygamy, and that has nothing to do with the Old Testament. There's temple. no polygamy in the Old Testament. Right. I mean, not in the, not not the temple. In the temple right. there. Yeah. Okay, exactly. well, we are past halfway um, to, uh, of the, through the show, so we think we better open up the telephone lines. Our phone number is 801-973-8820-973-TV20. Uh, we do invite you to call in to share your comments and your thoughts with this, ask your questions, and we'd love to hear from you. Remember to turn your TV volume down when you get on the air, and remember that we, we expect a two-way conversation when you call in. We'd love to hear from you, and as we wait for the phone calls to come in, we have our ministry message to share with you. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. 
Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. You are welcome to join us in our monthly support group, Life After Polygamy, where you can meet others like yourself who are searching for answers about polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism. We meet monthly in the Salt Lake City area. For more details about time and place, call us toll-free at 877-425-9993 or email us at tv at aboutpolygamy.com. We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, Make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. Uh, this is Polygamy, What Love Is This? My name is Doris Hanson. Our guest tonight is Pastor Jim Catlin from the Main Street Church in Brigham City. We're discussing the Old Testament temple and comparing it with the temples of uh, the Mormon Church, of which they're building, what, 135 or so around the world yeah. at this yeah. point. I wanted to share a scripture from Zechariah chapter 6. Uh, as we open up the second half hour, verses 12 and 13, I think is very telling about what God wanted as far as the, the in the future for the temple mm -hmm. to be. Mm -hmm. And he said, tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the branch, and he will branch out from this place and build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne, and he will be a priest on his throne, and there will be harmony between the two. And so there's talking here, of course, the branch, Jesus is referred Jesus to in the, the branch, branch yeah. in 11, uh, Isaiah 11, 1. Mm -hmm. And right. so we know this is Jesus. Mm -hmm. He's going to sit on his throne. He will build the temple. No, no church, no personal organization, but Jesus is the one who will do that building. Exactly. And you know the Bible says there's one spirit, one body, one Lord, one hope, 
one faith, and you know, a kingdom. Hmm. In a kingdom, there's only one king, there's right, only one right. throne, there's only one temple. There can't that's be many. Right. There, can, there right. can only be one yep, in the right. kingdom. In the that's kingdom right. of God, there can only be one throne, one temple, one king. So it just kind of fits a great, in. A great passage. Yeah. Anyway, we, yeah. we uh, do have some calls coming in. We invite you to call in 801-973-8820. Did you have something to share before we take the, the call? No, let's go ahead and do this. Okay, yeah. we have an off the air. First of all, where did Joseph Smith get his idea of what should happen in the temple? Well, first of all, it came from poly most of it came from polygamy. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you missed the show last week, you got to go back and look at it because it's not a coincidence that Joseph Smith's, I'll say this right out, invention of the temple uh, was about the same time he was getting in hot water over polygamy. Uh -huh. There was a way that he had to start to bring secrecy into those who were in the know, and the way he could bring the secrecy in, Sanders said it better than I could, was through this temple. And so it kind of covered up polygamy at the same time. And so they now, swarmed to secrecy, and right. that's where the secret oaths and all that right. came about. Is the, yeah. the polygamists were in there exactly. swearing secrecy. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, Joseph Smith himself says, and I was just looking for it, I couldn't find it quick enough, so maybe some of our LDS watchers will tell us, but he said that, that when, he, uh, when, he, when he presented all the things that go on in the temple, it was, it, they were truths from, that were, had been established before the foundations of the earth had never been leaked anywhere, basically. And so he says, this is brand new stuff. It won't match anything. And, uh, and I got to tell you, it, 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 is, it doesn't match anything. Yeah, In fact, <laughs> I, brand just new out stuff. of curiosity, I went to LDS.org online. They have a searchable Book of Mormon. I took all the different ordinances that go on in, in, in Mormon temples, you know, like washings, ceilings, anointings, and you go on down the list. And I looked for those words in the Book of Mormon to see if they were there right next to the temple stuff. Because yeah. when I do that for Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, it's right at the temple uh -huh, thing. Uh -huh. I didn't find any of those words anywhere. No, so, so what are common don't. words we use today for go on in ordinances in the Mormon temple? They're not in the Book of Mormon anywhere. In fact, I challenge you, tell me where in the Book of Mormon it tells us what they did in the few mentions they have of a temple. Because it, it clearly wasn't Solomon's ordinances, and it doesn't look like it's present-day ordinances. It sounds like some plain and precious things weren't plain included in that Book really of missing, Mormon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, we've got a call from Reno, Nevada. Kirsten is calling. Hello, Kirsten. Yes? You're on the air, Kirsten. What's your question? Well, hi, Doris and Pastor Jim. Um, I'm calling from Reno, Nevada. Um, watching you guys on streaming, and oh. it's pretty exciting. I've learned an awful lot about Mormonism just by watching your show. My question is, last night my pastor was going over Leviticus chapter 8, and that is where um, they were consecrating the clothing and garments of, the, um, of Aaron and his sons. Right. And the description that they have that's listed in Leviticus talks about part of that garment is blue, part of it is white, and they have a turban uh -huh. that they wore on their heads. And then in the part of the dedication, um, they were covered in oil and blood. And I don't know a lot that's about right. Mormonism, but I do know that um, that has not... That's not what goes on in the temples, is it? No. No. None of... None the current of, temples, no. Mm -mm. No, everything's white inside LDS temples, but 
inside the Mormon, inside the Old Testament, Solomon's temple and the temple after that, it was actually pretty colorful. The, what the priests wore was very colorful. What the veil was is not just this white gauzy stuff. I mean, I, it's purple and crimson and blue. Embroidered with gold strands. Gold, gold strands. There was actually embroidered it. cherubims on the front of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, wow, it was cool. So, I mean, yeah. and then all the gold inside. It was a very colorful place. It's not the bland white of Mormon temples. At all. Right, exactly. That's very interesting. I thought that was interesting also that you showed the uh, the labor, right. and that was where they wash, not for baptism. Right. Absolutely right. right. So I just think it's interesting. Do they just really not know the scriptures at all? They don't study the Bible at all? Yeah, and in fact, if you want to check up on me on, on whether they did baptisms or if they washed, go, look, go read for yourself Exodus 40, verses 30 through 32, and you'll find that Moses and Aaron are out there washing their hands and feet in that labor, mm -hmm. in the tabernacle labor. So that, that's what it was for. It wasn't, they weren't baptizing each other. You'll read it. They were just washing ceremonially before they did what they did inside the temple. And they were, wow. they, being the priests representing the people before God, they needed exactly. to make sure that they were cleansed, and this was a Themselves. cleansing process. Right. And that shows, of course, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from exactly. all sin because Jesus is the fulfillment of the and priesthood. you can't be in the presence of God with sin. With sin. Yeah. Right. Exactly. you got to do something with it. Well, that's very cool. God bless you guys. And Thank keep you. up the good work. Thanks for watching from Reno. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Take care. You too. Okay. Thank you. Um, are Christians, we'll, we'll take the next call in just a minute because this is going to be a fun call, the next one. Um, are Christians commanded in the New Testament to participate in any temple ordinances? Oh, the old temple? In, old in, in the New Testament, Christians, oh, are we gotcha. commanded to participate in any temple? No, I've read a lot of the New Testament. I think all of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm there's sure. nowhere, there's nowhere where Jesus, for instance, says, "Okay, next week, guys, you got to go in and you got to do this temple stuff, or next right. week you're going to have to go in and sacrifice a bull because Peter, you were bad." Yeah. There's never any of that. There's never any mention. None of it. And then when the early church is born, and you see in Acts what goes on, and there, there's a little bit of confusion, but the Holy Spirit's guiding them. There's never anything about, well, now we all got to go do temple stuff. There's nothing. Right, so right. you, I challenge you, you won't find it anywhere. Now, you do find Paul uh, doing some things to honor sort of his background, but, but that's a whole different kind of idea as part of the outside of the temple. And, but in terms of going in and participating in the Jewish temple, there are no commandments. For right, that. and certainly no requirements for eternal no. life involved and the, in it and at all. And the best place to check it out, Acts 15, they have a big crisis in the distributed church. It's not a big crisis, but the crisis was, do we let the Gentiles? into our belief system yeah. and they finally go well yeah i guess so so let's write them a letter and tell them what they really need to do and let's forget all the stuff they don't oh, need to do that is great there's scripture. nothing there yeah. about doing temple stuff that's right at all at all that's exactly right so Very no nope, we're not supposed to okay so we have a call on line two this is carl moore from orem hello carl hello how you doing hi there welcome to the show <laughs> I just had a I just had a couple of quick comments, hopefully. Um, just coming from a former LDS perspective and something that I found very interesting, you know, when I um, you know, I left Mormonism and then I you look back and you realize that there's a lot of things that are wrong with with the temple. And one of the one of the big things that I found that is 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 actually quite appalling now that I understand God and his um uncomprehensibleness um, and how people worship graven images and the whole 
um, you're not supposed to have graven images. And, um, you know, all throughout the temple, there's pictures of Jesus everywhere, right? I mean, the temple that I belong to was the American Fork Temple, or Mount Timpanogos Temple, and um, you see pictures of Jesus all around in the hallways. Um, but something that's very interesting is, like, when you get into the celestial room, uh, Jesus is not there. And uh, I, I, I don't know, I mean, now that I understand graven images, that wouldn't be right anyways to, to, to demean him to a picture. But Jesus isn't, Jesus isn't there. And going to, through the Salt Lake Temple, and, you, and when you're going through your rooms, um, your different uh, um, uh, celestial, terrestrial rooms, to celestial room, and you go through the hallway, and there's pictures of prophets all over the place. And I, I just mm. think of how blasphemous that would be, you know, for mm-hmm. pictures of anybody to be in the tabernacle or in um, Solomon's temple, that's say. Yeah, that's um, a great point. And, and if there were supposed to be things like that, I, it would be documented, you know. And, and then you mm-hmm. have the veil, which is a white veil in the temple. Um, and, I, and I think elders people are so hung up on this white pureness and this whiteness, but but yet they deny that it's actually the blood. I mean, you're stained blood first, um, and, and they don't, they don't want to recognize the, the blood and the actual, well, the blood that has to atone or cover you. You have to be covered in blood, and it's right. pretentious to, to be wearing these white shirts all the time. I, I'm, I don't know, I hate it. I hate it now that I actually wore a white shirt and that I assumed and I was putting on this show that I was pure because I wasn't pure at all. Um, Not unless the blood of Jesus has cleansed us. No one is pure. Uh, absolutely. You know, and, and, and Masonic symbols are in the veil. I mean, if that was important, I would, oh. I would think that they would have listed that. You know, as detailed as they were about the, uh, about the temple mm-hmm. and everything, the colors and everything, you would have thought that they would have put the Masonic symbols. Every or, detail, was, everything was detailed in the Old Testament temple. Of what right. The, everything. And, and another thing, you know, that um, LDS is all about works. I mean, we know that, and maybe they wouldn't claim that they're about works. But obviously, as, as uh, Christians, we believe in, in grace, and we believe in grace by faith. Um, and it's, it's interesting, you might want to comment about this, is that you couldn't hear the sound of work. Um, right. And God hated that sound of work, of men working, and that couldn't be heard in the specific places. I mean, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't hear a hammer, you couldn't hear tools being used because of that work. Or the building was going on, that's I mean, correct. Works are just are, are not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing, you know, Joseph Smith claimed to be from the blood of Ephraim, and he claimed to be from that line. Right. And, you know, and as everyone knows, that you had to be a Levite, uh, mm-hmm. and specifically through the blood of Aaron, to, to be a priest. Right. Um, and in the LDS, in LDS doctrine, you know, if you are of that line, then you automatically have the position of bishop. I mean, that's granted to you that you um, get the position of bishop. So, I mean, they under, understand these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, there's a whole lot, but um, that's just something I just want to comment on real fast and... Well, thank you, Carl. And Kevin, I, Kevin, uh, I, I think you, I think you put your finger on a really important distinction: is that uh, in Mormonism, 
only the people who are worthy make it to the temple in Mormonism. Uh -huh. In the Old Testament temple, you came to the temple when you were clearly You unworthy. knew you were unworthy, and, and that's, that's why, why you were you coming. Came. So because it's just turned upside down. So here you have people stained with blood because they know they're unworthy versus modern-day people who walk as though they're pure in white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, good point. Well, thank you, Carl. Appreciate your call. All right. God bless, guys. Thanks. Uh-huh. See you later. Bye. Uh, bye. Okay, that was Carl Moore. He's our Lamanite. Carl. He was oh, the yeah, one who was Carl. doing yeah. doing our, and he'll be back on the show in October, too. Love Carl. Okay, line one, Kevin in Salt Lake City. Hello, Kevin. Kevin. Hi. Um, you, I need to turn your, you need to turn yeah. your TV volume down, Kevin. Turn it down or we'll have to t disconnect the call. I'll turn you down. Okay, well, can you hear me now? Okay. okay. Uh -huh, what's your question? Um, I was wondering if, you know, okay, the LDS has temp uh, temples today. I was wondering if it's, like, still needed, if God still commands to build temples in these days. We know it was commanded in the Old Testament and, new t and they're still around in the New Testament. Are they still needed today? Great question. And the answer is no. I mean, it's very, very much no. In fact, let me read you a scripture from Hebrews 10. Because the writer of Hebrews is trying to get this across, is that the era of temples are gone because we no longer need the sacrifices. Mm -hmm. So Hebrews 10.4, he says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and blood and the bulls of goats should take away sins. And then you skip down to verse 12 of chapter 10. But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, and by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. So Jesus offered the last sacrifice, no need for temples. No need for anymore. temples anymore. He's the fulfillment. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament law, and that includes the temples. Jesus Christ fulfilled them in himself, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. Uh, Jesus fulfilled them, and he fulfilled the temple. Yeah, Everything right. that the temple was about was focusing in on Jesus and what he was going to accomplish by his death on the cross for sinners. Okay. But the thing, uh, what I am confused about is that, okay, just, just for example, um, were prophets needed after Jesus Christ? No necessity to. No necessity to, because he, he was the last revelation from God that was so complete, you don't need anyone else to say, thus saith right. the Lord. Right, that doesn't mean there's uh, not That doesn't mean there's not ongoing direct uh, communication from God, but in terms of a role of a prophet, no. But that's why I'm confused, because after, even after Jesus Christ, in the book of Acts, uh, it said that uh, there were many prophets that came after Jesus Christ and still testified of him. Well, there were people that testified to Jesus, yes. But that were prophets. They, it clearly says the name, it says the word prophets. Well, we have to be clear, too, here. There, there was never a, a, a cessation of a gift of prophecy to speak for God, but the role of a prophet in that sense definitely did go away. It, it's gone. Je Jesus himself said that John the Baptist was the end of the prophets. The end of the prophets. Yeah. yeah. And we do have to uh, uh, disconnect your call now because we're getting to the end of the show. I hope that okay, answers your you question. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Kevin. Bye. Uh -huh, bye. So we have just a few seconds here before we do the closing comments. Yeah. Do you have something you can say in 10, 9 seconds? 
<laughs> what did you want to say? <laughs> when Jesus died, that veil was rent from the top to the bottom, which is a way of God saying, now I open the way for you to come and be in my presence without sin being a problem anymore. Anymore, because he did it. And so we come to the cross of Jesus, forget all of our works, and just trust in him. Yes. And, and that's all he requires. Hebrews 10, 19, go read it, it's thrilling. Yes, very good. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jim. Thanks very much for sharing. Yeah. We got a whole bunch in a little bit of time. <laughs> in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19, it tells us that God reconciles us to Himself through Jesus Christ. That means that He doesn't count our sins against us when we're reconciled uh, to Him. And then He has given us the message of reconciliation so that we can tell others, and that's what we do on the show. Before anyone is allowed into heaven, he must be reconciled to God, and that is necessary because sin has separated all of us from God. Reconciliation doesn't happen through Mormonism or through polygamy, and it doesn't happen through temples or through temple ceremonies. Only Jesus Christ reconciles us to God. If a temple building could do it, we wouldn't need Jesus. God said that he does not dwell in temples built by human hands. Now, do you believe God or not? You'll not find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus beckoned people to come and join a church to be saved. Instead, he taught us that everything we're looking for in this life and in eternal life is found only in him, not in a church, not in a temple, and not in polygamy. Eternal life is a person. It is not a religion. No man can reach heaven because they went to a temple. God stopped the work on the Tower of Babel because they thought they could reach heaven through that building. Celestial glory is gained only because of Jesus Christ. Mormonism, polygamy, and Joseph Smith and temples have nothing to do with it. Eternal life is Jesus Christ, and we must be in Him to have eternal life. And being in Christ is being God's temple. Thanks for watching. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.